Destroy! 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 Company! Destroy! 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 Company! Destroy! Destroy! Company! Destroy! Destroy! Company! Destroy! 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 Company! Hello, listeners. Welcome to another week, another one, as DJ Khaled once said, of Ross Purdy Destroys Comedy. I am your host, Ross Purdy Destroys Comedy. Now, I've done that joke on and off for about 33 episodes now. Should I retire it? No, I think 600 more is good. No, I'd say keep going. I say double down on this. I was going to congratulate you to start off with. I'm very um, that uh, you you have destroyed comedy. All it's possible that comedy just died while you were doing this podcast, and the two things are um, unrelated. Well, it someone, was just, a previous guest brought this up that coronavirus came about around the same time this podcast started. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And he started blaming me for that. So I don't know, Martin, if you're like a Corona truther and think it wasn't a bat, it was me that spread it. I don't know. I, when I need to picture the head of Q, I do picture you, Ross. <laughs> I picture me like four or five years ago when I just refused to cut my hair. And it was just down to here. Mm. I like to call my verging on almost being a racist incel phase, but having too much self-awareness to fully go there. Oh yeah. No, you, uh, at that stage, if, if you dug away all the layers of the conspiracy theories, like all the sock puppet accounts and everything you dig down, it's just you like Kevin Smith in Die Hard 4 in front of like 50 computer screens. (laughs) That's, that's at the heart of it all. <laughs> you think so? Okay. You are got... the beating heart of the hollow world, Ross. Okay, now I feel like we've gotten off onto a bad start because you think I'm Kevin Smith and Die Hard 4. Yeah. So what are you trying to say, Martin? I've given up and now I'm just making stuff for my friends. You're waiting, <laughs> you're waiting for Justin Long to burst in the room. With a visibly disinterested Bruce Willis. Oh, yes. Visibly disinterested Bruce Willis and Kevin Smith. Mortal enemies. Speaking speaking of mortal enemies, this guy isn't my mortal enemy, but by the end of this podcast, maybe? I hope not. I hope we can become... Firm uh, friends. Blood brothers, almost. Ah, that's a little more than I was hoping for. We are doing this through Zoom, so I don't think we can actually, like, cut our palms open with a knife and just and share it. we pour it into the bowl, and then we all drink from the bowl, and that means if one of us gets killed, the other has to avenge him. Um, correct? I think that was the ploy for this show, for me to get people to avenge my death. Mm. And I hope one of those people is Martin Dunlop. Thank you. Yes. 
Um, I'm, I'm very glad to be here. I, I'm glad I was, you know, I haven't been doing much comedy uh, recently, but uh, last night a man broke into my house. He uh, burst through four levels of sheet plate glass right through my skylight and landed on my dinner table and he was completely destroyed from the waist down. Um, and he, he looked into my, my eyes and he said, Martin, I, I need you to go on Ross Purdy's podcast and do some comedy about comedy. And we made love, Ross. We, we, me and the, and the broken man. I don't consider myself, myself gay, but sometimes it's just, there's a, there's a moment that you have. And I think, I think last night that happened and here I am uh, today uh, on, on your show. As he would have wanted, he has passed. I'm sorry. Okay, was this before or after the lovemaking? I didn't need to know what the um, Look, we can sit here all day arguing uh, about, about when that happened, but neither of us is a doctor yet, though I am studying. Okay, once you um, become a doctor, come back, tell me when he died. <laughs> we can get to the bottom of this. If it, if, if it was necrophilia, he agreed to it beforehand. Um, I'd, I'd like to think, but I am, look, I am sad that, that comedy has been, has been destroyed. I am, I am heartbroken as, as you know, just before lockdown, just before you started this podcast, I don't think open mic comedians uh, in Melbourne, um, like, like you or, or me had, had ever been more powerful. Like we were truly at our peak. We were peeling off rolls of, of hundred dollar bills. We all joined the Melbourne club. We were consulted on important city planning decisions. Yeah, um, yeah. I like to think of it as so being like a, I, feel, I like to think of it as kind of like a Goodfellas style rise. We're brought into the club, got a little bit out of control, and now the feds are on our door, and the feds are correct. And we have a cocaine problem. <laughs> we have a serious, serious Rayleigh Otter esque. Uh, and real, worse, Ray Liotta in real life and not Ray Liotta in the film-esque problem. Um, We're not getting is, any gigs? Yeah. No one's knocking on his door. No. No, he was in Killing Me Softly with um, uh, Ben Mendelsohn and Brad Pitt, a film um, I think that has one of those, those records for like the least seen film on release ever in the United States because there was something funny about it. it was like only in one cinema and then they didn't want to go well that's that's our our careers are now in the one cinema open but I think it's a relief really I think it's where in many ways we've been freed from comedy um Thank this, is, you. this is finally in the future what little comedy that exists will be provided by the, uh, the management agencies. Um, they have uh, five or six comedians on the books that can be provided for corporate events and, and so on, which is, so it, you know, it'll still, the business will still continue, which I think is reassuring. Um, Thank you for finally saying what this podcast has been trying to say for 33 episodes. Comedy is tyranny. Yes. We've, we've begged to get out of there. We, uh, and uh, now we're finally, the, the amulet has been broken and we're out. Um, I, we've, we've struggled under this burden and every joke has, has been a plea for help. 
Um, but it's, yeah, and so now we can finally get back to our lives. Um, with the death of comedy, I will uh, be returning to studying medicine. I was a sawbones before I, um, I left it all to, to do comedy full time. And I, I understand you worked as a lawyer with an eye to becoming a judge, Ross. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I did. I did. I had, I had eyes on the prize, man. And that prize was wearing them funny wigs and wearing that judge's outfit. And, you know, I wanted to be jury and executioner so I could say, I'm judge, jury, executioner. <laughs> yeah. And how do you feel in general about crime as a judge? You know, I think is crime it... is out of goddamn control. Mm. You know, you got these people out there to slapping crime on the wrists. Well, I want to freaking choke the life out of it. I'm judge, jury, and executioner, Martin. <laughs> That's good. And in what, what parts of the law do you need to study to be judge, jury, and executioner? Do you need to, do, do, you know, you need to understand, I guess, emotional manipulation to, as the jury so that you can sort of focus it away. Um, I guess if you, if you studied a lot of pickup artist classes, you'd be good at, good at that. You understand when the, you know, is this lawyer peacocking at me? Is he, you know, wearing a particularly colourful hat or a bow tie? You know, you're on the lookout. You won't be fooled again. There is a lot of times where you see court cases where a judge is just looking at a defendant and then just starts going, wow, you look pretty good. Chunky around the thighs, though. A little less chunky around the thighs, I might consider you. <laughs> Judges are notorious for negging. Yeah. No, and, and as executioner, um, you've been putting in a lot of physical training. Um, you know, oh, yeah. uh, you, do you, you see it? You see the six pack, man. Yeah, well, because I imagine because we don't actually have a, a proper um, death penalty in place in this country, for you to actually perform your duties as an executioner, you'll have to chase them down <laughs> and catch them because um, uh, they'll 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 be able to run away from you. Um, You'll need to you'll need to have all levels of physical fitness sorted out like an AFL footballer. Just be very built from the waist up, but quite slim from the waist down. You know, like good weight displacement. Yes, yes. Or I could just get AFL players to do it during the off season. Saves me yeah. having to do it. You know, judge, jury, and executioner, subcontractor. The last parts in in brackets. Well, I like to think of myself more as a dumb contractor, okay? Ain't nothing sub about me, okay? You'll violently press these AFL players into doing your bidding. Um, yeah. And they want me to. They want me to. They want to. They want it. Yeah, no. Well, it's something, you know, like them, they haven't had a lot. They didn't have a lot to do for a, a lot of the lockdown. So if anything, you were offering them, you know, an occupation, something to pass the time. Um, and and what kinds of crimes were, were they chasing the, uh, the, the offenders down for? Uh, you know, uh, petty larceny, white collar crimes? Uh, just, you know saying that they'll give a loan back but not give a loan back to like a family member oh a debtor yes yeah. um a black a black blight on our society yeah the debtor and the bigamist our two main social concerns i feel oh yeah just big big concerns man big concerns 
Mm. Of course, with you returning to law and I'll, I'll be returning to medicine, but the, I think the nice thing about, about going back to medicine um, to, to continue to study to be a surgeon is that in comedy, I think I learned a lot about surprise and subversion. And I think that, that surgery typically doesn't involve those things. And I think it's time we introduced it. Um, I do, I, I, you know, I, for example, um, you know, if you, if you give somebody a hysterectomy, you, you take away their womb. That's the normal, the normal process of things. No, no surprise there. But, but to introduce an element of surprise would be to replace the womb with something that is as far from a womb as possible, which, uh, to my understanding, would be another woman who has also had a hysterectomy. Wow. I, I think you've, your mind's blown, right? Wow. This is, this is alternative surgery. Wow. Um, I mean, it sounds, like, here. it sounds like the alternative to surgery. <laughs> it's true. It's very oh, new age. Oh, oh, man. What's up with all this? Fucking weird alternative surgeries. Just do surgeries. Yeah. Just just go just the simple old fashioned with anesthetic and a knife. You know, just just do it do it basically. You no, know, we're always trying to figure out, you know, what's a new take on surgery? You know, what's a you, you know, what's the most subversive and, and then you get, you know, the anti surgery that you can perform, which is is where you do what is transparently bad surgery as a comment on surgery as a whole. Um, uh, the, oh, what you know, is this bullshit? This is, this is, <laughs> this is, I've got to tell you, if Norm MacDonald was a surgeon right now, he'll be going on a tweet storm about how he ain't no anti-surgeon, man. Don't, don't, don't put me in this club. No, he was genuinely trying to save those people's lives when he tore them open. <laughs> it took an incredibly long time. It was, yeah, people, you know, it's very easy to judge and sit back and saying, oh, he's doing this subversive anti-surgery. But no, no, that was, that was the best shot he was giving it. And, and you can tell because, because the people, they, they, they laughed, um, unfortunately, which is because with surgery, if you do provoke laughter, um, that, is, that is the sign the surgery has gone, gone very, very poorly uh, indeed. Um, yeah, like you put a you put an arm where a leg's supposed to be, and vice versa. I mean, Jesus, yes. man. Yeah, if you've provoked surprise to the point of humour, because this is, I want to introduce surprise to surgery and and subversion to the idea of surgery. But if it does genuinely provoke laughter, then then what I have achieved there is abhorrent. Um, I you know I've I've created the Heimlich within the Unheimlich. Um, something that is both familiar and anti-familiar. A man who is just a back. Wow. You know. Fucking speechless right now, man. Yeah, and and a, a surgeon performs in an amphitheater, which is which is like a, you know, a a a performing space, you know, for for large groups of of people, and and it would funnel the laughter down towards you, become quite quite claustrophobic. The, the chuckles, the guffaws, the weeping, inevitably. Wow, you give me a lot to think about. Give me a lot to think about, Martin, on today's edition of Ross Purdy Destroys Surgery. <laughs> having, having finally staked 
the put a stake through the heart of comedy, you now come for the other professions. Construction. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I still haven't destroyed Joe Rogan yet, and he's my enemy. Joe Rogan is your is your personal enemy. He's my enemy. You know this? I did not know this. Have you have you had a discussion with him? Uh, well, I was originally going to call this podcast for Joe Rogan Experience. But it is an excellent idea. But his people emailed me and said, no, you can't do that. So ever since... Yeah. Ever since, man, I'm just gunning for Rogan. Well, he, you've, there's a lot to pick on there. I mean, he's a... You know, it's and it's definitely punching up. He, how much did he get paid for Spotify? Oh, oh, that was a victory. That was a victory on my end, man. When I heard about the Spotify thing and he got censored on that, I'm like, yeah, you know who isn't censored on Spotify? This guy. Only you can have a podcast where hysterectomies are replaced with other women with hysterectomies. Now, to be, Only... fair, to be fair, if I never had you on this show, that would have never come up. No. But think about it. Think about it for a second. No, it's that is a that is a victory that you've that you've had over him. But he, yeah, I mean, it, he's he's a sellout, and you know he is somebody who makes his living from comedy, which is is embarrassing, really. Like we understand that the comedy, while we try to do it full time and everything, it, fundamentally, it's you know it's a hobby. It's a it's a it's a side pursuit. It's a we're, we're gifted amateurs, um, which which is you know there's such a nobility about that. You know, to, to, to take up comedy, you know, professionally, properly, full time is to make a, a wife of your mistress. I think, I think that it's a... No, no don't do that. <laughs> no. Where is the romance? The, 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 the joy gone? No, now it's, now it's there every day, you know. Part of the fun is just sneaking around and, you know, to going to seedy motel rooms and you know, and and, then, and to be to to feel fundamentally dirty and and ashamed yeah. every time you've done it, which is comedy. Yeah. Yes, feel good unpaid comedy. Yeah. Feel good at the time, but then afterwards you just afterwards you're just thinking, oh god, I, I did, what am I doing with my life? Why am I here? <laughs> I need something more fulfilling. Yeah. No, it's you know, and you'll 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 straighten up and concentrate more on your more on your real life, which is a, yeah, very, you know, it, uh, you almost thank the experience for providing you with that alternative, you know, that that you you. Whereas Joe Rogan can't do that. Joe Rogan is, is he's locked in, you know, and you're free, Ross. Where he's trapped, free. you're free. I am free. I am free. I am free to book. I've got no money. <laughs> I've got no money right now. If you want to book me, I'll do it for free. I'll do it for free, man. Have you ever been paid in food? <laughs> no, I can't say I have. <laughs> I've been paid in beers. I've been yeah. paid in like little tickets that you're in exchange for beers. I haven't been paid in food, though. I think there's so much responsibility in paying somebody in food. I mean, what if they don't like it? Beer will theoretically always have the intended effect, whereas like a cake might make them sick. <laughs> yeah, man, you don't know if I'm like 
or like allergic to chocolate and that's chocolate cake, you know? Mm. I'm a dog, Martin. If you give me chocolate, I die. <laughs> you see this? I've never eaten chocolate before and I eat a lot of food on stage. I've never eaten chocolate. And if I was, I'd fucking die. You, I, have, I have definitely seen you eat a whole loaf of bread on stage, um, which is the most convoluted anti-gluten allergy bit I've ever seen. Oh yeah, you somehow know, against the vegans as well. You know, afterwards I always say, "Fuck you, vegans! I'm eating <laughs> bread. Hey, this bread ain't gluten free because being gluten free, that shit don't exist. I think you're stupid if you think it does." They can never decide whether it's whether it's weakness or fake, which is funny because, like, I mean, one of those two has to be absolutely true. Like, if you, it, yeah, if it's just, if if it's weak to be to have a gluten allergy, you know, then that's a serious problem. But if it's fake to have a gluten allergy, then all you need to do is feed them some bread and they'll be fine, right? They never put their money where their mouth is and just start feeding some people with a gluten allergy bread. Um, you know, it, 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 money. It, it would kill the people with a gluten allergy and therefore put an end to anti-gluten allergy comedy routines cutting off a primary source of our income and I think that that you know that wouldn't be worth it in, in the end you know, when you balance up the value of human life versus a continuing comedy career I you know If it was one death and one comedy career lost, you know, one life lost, one comedy career lost, goes with the territory, you know. So it's a price we're all willing to pay. Yeah, yeah. Three deaths, one comedy career lost. Okay, the ratio is starting to get thrown out a bit. A thousand deaths, 500 comedy careers lost. I'm going to start talking about maybe doing something about it, I think. That's good. That's good to know that someone's out there fighting the good fight. You need a line. You need a moment where you are pushed too far and you start looking at maybe taking action. Um, and in this case, it will involve me not feeding oatmeal cookies to the currently unwell. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's stop here for a moment. I understand. You don't need these kind of statements. <laughs> Milk cookies are delicious, man. You're going to stop feeding it to people? Yeah, just because they're a little bit sick. How dare you? Look, it's... What I said was I would discuss it. I didn't say I'm definitely going to stop doing it. I know that that is, you know... We will cross that burning bridge when we come to it. Doused in gasoline. Okay. That is good to know, then. Sir... This is ostensibly an interview show where we have one interview question per episode. Uh, mm-hmm. 99% of it is just bullshit tangents, but no one in their right mind will sit down and listen to. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been on message this whole time. Oh, yeah, so have I. I completely get you. But some other people mm-hmm. might say that. But my one interview question is, if, if I were to write the Wikipedia article for you, how would I write that? Remember that Wikipedia is full of misinformation and unsighted uh, information. 
So go hog wild with it. Martin Dunlop cannot be killed. Okay. What? Okay. Immortality. OBE. OBE. Okay. I'm writing this down. And as you see, I'm miming the action of typing right now. Mm. Martin Samuel Dunlop cannot be killed. Um, uh, one time amateur comedian, amateur writer, uh, professional and, and poorly skilled surgeon. Okay. Yep. The surgery stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um, cannot uh is is the one man in the world who who cannot fall to uh gunshot uh or arrows because you can't be killed because of the immortality right mm. i yes. write that i write um, that down all of that in those words people you know is is it a curse is it a is it a blessing and i you know, Martin Martin has has argued, you know, that it is neither curse nor blessing, but uh, primarily a tax designation. Um, okay, neither uh, blessing, curse, more of a tax thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, related to cumulative interest and uh, a, a series of investment properties uh, purchased uh, during the early '90s Australian recession. Um. This is gold, man. This is gold. Mm, um, so, no, I'm uh, writing this Wikipedia article for you right now, and I'm going to put an unflattering picture of you. Oh, good. Um, can it be at a premiere I attended uh, while um, uh, in either, either dealing badly with rehabilitation from substance abuse or in the depths of the abuse? The, the image can't quite tell. Okay, I can Photoshop two separate images of like uh, during and after. And just put it together. A, s- <laughs> a slightly too rosy hue of, of, of new health or a slightly bloated appearance from a failing health. I, w- I want a combination of that. But however bad it gets, I still cannot, cannot die. Um, uh, bloated, rosy. Still immortal. So this is, yep. Um, uh, personal life, I feel like that's covered by cannot be killed. Many people have tried. Um, the army, uh, religious figures um, have, have attempted to kill me uh, or, or failing. Um, so that's personal life. Uh, Korea, um, a country in Asia. And, and then, of course, we get to uh, controversies. Um, uh, which will be the largest section of the of the page. Okay, um, let's get into this. Controversy number one. You tore up mm, that picture of the Pope one time on live TV. I, yes, on Saturday Night Live. Um, uh, I hadn't been booked, and uh, I was I was having a disagreement with the Weekend Update man at the time. Um, who was being played by Kate McKinnon. Uh, the picture of the Pope, um, uh, I was actually doing a favor because it depicted the Pope naked. And uh, it, uh, it, the, the Opus Day had paid me a substantial sum to uh, demolish the, the item. Um, yeah, and it is it true that Lorne Michaels saw that, loved it, 
wanted you to be like a feature. And he didn't laugh, you know. He never laughs. He never laughs. But he goes, hmm, hmm Miss Martin Dunlop. Hmm. We need to get him on every week and to tear up that Pope picture. And it was the same picture each week. By the end of it, everybody had seen the Pope naked. I, I felt like would would, you know, really undermined my initial intention. Uh, at that point, it was framed. There were copies being passed around. Oprah's Day were enraged, but I cannot be killed. I'm pretty sure at one point, Keenan Thompson just walked off the set because he's like, I can't keep doing this. Can't keep tearing up this naked Pope picture. I respect the naked Pope too much. He kept doing that bit where he comes out and just sings that song for a while instead of a comedy sketch, but this was the line that he drew. <laughs> this was where he said, no more. I was in good burger, he roared as he, as he walked off the set. Ain't nothing good about this burger. And boom, he was out of there. This is a shit burger, he said. This is three pieces of shit. Then <laughs> the next day, Deadline misinterpreted that and wrote, Keenan Thompson announces on Saturday Night Live, new Good Burger sequel. This is a shit new burger. Good Burger sequel, shit. Good Burger 2, shit burger. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Deadline, that's always been, you know, misinterpreting. You know, you can't trust Deadline. Now, speaking mm. of uh, dead, you can't be dead. I can't be dead, no. I will never know the release of The Grave, but I will know the bed of, the bed of my wife, um, which I feel is, you know, I'm, 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 I'm prouder about, and I, I bring up on chat shows and interview subjects like this. Uh, I can't die. What do you want to know about that? Okay. So I'm not ashamed. Okay. Hmm, I feel like you should be. You know, like, it's a bit weird, mate. Yeah. I mean, most people, most people do think I should be ashamed. I must have done something to achieve this, but uh, nope. Mate, so I can't even, like, get a katana sword, and if I try to, like, split you in half with it... I just, it goes all gooey, and I, and I join back up, well, uh, like and I love... Like a weird starfish, like a weird starfish almost. I Stephen Dorff from Blade. That's, yeah. that's what it looks like. Okay, and yeah, uh, it was a notorious starfish. That's the thing. I've never... Is my immortality a curse or a blessing? It's certainly a curse on mankind that I can't be killed. Right. Yeah, and that's interesting that you would think it's a curse on mankind. Why do you hate I've been visited so upon you like Mr. Bean. Right, and that's a funny character, right? He's always you know, getting up into mischief and stuff and always flailing about. And, and I saw this one Mr. Bean where he, sp he spoke very eloquently. Really? And, and it was like olden times too. He was like, he was dressed up all differently, but that was definitely Mr. Bean. Well, if you understand that, I suppose, if we're talking about the, I, I think I've seen the same thing. And through each period in history, it, the, the Mr. Bean looks exactly the same, which implies that they're all related and very closely related. And the end result of that would, yes, that, that would mean maybe a not particularly articulate person by the time you've gone down that far. So you believe in 
most people believe in evolution. You believe in de-evolution. Well, I certainly believe that, that, that Mr. Bean devolved, especially if you think that at the start, his name was, was you know, Sir Edmund Blackadder. And by the end, it's just a creature that can sort of make out the word bean. I mean, you try, you try saying Blackadder, saying that over years and years and years. Eventually, it would turn into bean. It's, mm. like, uh, it's like telephone whispers, man. Yeah. No, and you can see because the same thing happens to Baldrick over the, the millennia, that he becomes Stuber and Stuber until by the, by the present day, he no longer exists. Um, and it's just, it's just what once was a king of England, now an idiot in an empty flat. Um, at the end of his life, amusing us all by putting a turkey on his head. Whoa, that and is amusing. Us well. That is amusing. Turkey on the head. And we don't even celebrate Thanksgiving, and that's what they do, right? They put turkeys on their head. I, I believe so. Yes, um, because it's uh, parts of America are very cold, and uh, you know you, you have to assemble a headgear from something, which is usually an American flag, because that's always within reach. But sometimes you reach out for that flag instead, grab the head of a of a passing bird. Planted on your head, warm for the day, blind as a bat, and driving. Okay, I'm putting this in the wiki article too. Blind as bat, turkey man. Okay. And that's all like controversy too. That's all in controversy. Well, yes, because this was um, this was what I said when I was being interviewed um, about my role in the Kennedy assassination. Whoa, okay. Now that is something. Which Kennedy I President Kennedy. <laughs> Can't be killed. Whoa. Can you see it? I mean, they put a wig on me, but it was like back and to the left. Hot damn. Now that you mention it, I fucking see it, man. And he's living it up in Barbados right now. Six wives, 40 kids. All thanks to me and a little friend of mine called Lee Harvey Oswald, who nearly made it out. I'm, you can't see, but I'm kissing and pointing at the sky where he is. Yeah, Martin just uh, he, he kissed at the sky and says, and then Lee Harvey, baby, it's all for you. Lee Harvey. It's all for you, pouring baby. Out a, pouring out a 40 on the sidewalk to my Lee H up there. It was, you know, it was, I, I forget, it was in the, the 1960s. It was a warm summer day and, and, and uh, JFK, he knocks on my door. He says, Martin, I got a job. I got a job for you and out of it, we'll all come out of this millionaires. And I said, what's the job, JFK? Remember, I cannot die. And he said, well, I'm going to need you to come as close as you ever have. Bit of wig on me, strapped me in the back, said, I got to get away from this Jackie. She's asking too many questions. I'm reforming in the back of the car like a... I'm trying to think of a fictional character that can reform after being shot. Like a bloody Brian Reynolds Deadpool, trying to conceal it from the cameras. Like Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. I'm writing all this down. 
this is all fascinating stuff. I mean, we can do a whole five hours about immortality, man. Mm. Yeah, well, that, that is the one thing about immortality. It does tend to go on. And on and on. More than five hours, really. But mm. I hear around the community you're a bit of a horror movie guy. I do like horror films. Um, I do. I, as, I enjoy. Yeah. As we all know, this is the beginning of October. I am holding a newspaper right now that says October 5th. For all the listeners out there, as you can see, Martin, see the newspaper I'm holding. Mm, Kennedy fact. alive? <laughs> Shit! I found out. Okay, wow. Mm. This, this news spread quick. <laughs> so I'm a tastemaker, baby. You come on this podcast, you reveal your secrets. <laughs> it's out there. What's well, the evening? It's the evening edition. That's why they were able to run in and yell, stop the presses and just destroy the machines. Well, that's the next thing I'm going to destroy after comedy so and surgeries. It's October 5th. It's October 5th, start of October. Uh, people are looking for horror movies to see. Give us your top five. My top five horror movies of all time. Oh, bloody. I tell you what, the bloody news. That's got to be the, okay, the well, scariest news. Okay, the hot, channel, scariest horror movie there is. Uh, channel 9 or 10 or? Um, oh, probably uh, Channel 7. Yeah, Channel um, 7. I don't trust There's that. something about the red and the colouring that I find particularly um, uh, invasive. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers. Peter Hitchener. Yeah. Those are the free. Ian Henderson. Yeah. He's very thin. He crawls up your drain pipe. You, you walk into the bathroom and he pokes his head out of the toilet like a ghoulie and says, let me tell you what happened today. No, Ian Henderson. Back down there. I think he's been in the news for about 15 years. <laughs> but he's, that's, that's what he's been doing instead. He delivers it in the bathroom. Okay, so news. Num- that's 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 one. Five. Oh, that's that's one. Let's go down. Uh, number number two. Um, uh, look at number two. You've got Scream. You know, with your Neve Campbell and 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 uh, and and your Skeet Ulrich. You know, they were. That was the first time we we heard those household names. Um. Uh. Number three. I know what you did last summer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, something that really tapped into the horror that somebody is aware of your behaviours um, or your activities uh, before social media. When we told everybody, it was upsetting that to, to ever hear that from somebody that they were aware of you and what you'd been doing. Uh, number four, um, number four, I, 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 the Shape of Water. Yeah, um, shape of water. Wow, that that is scary shit, man. It is. Yes. Um. I mean, they don't get to the point where you see her actually give birth to the creature, um, that she's been impregnated with. But that's the thing about horror. Sometimes when you don't see it, it's so much more upsetting. Your mind fills. You imagine what would have come out of her eventually. Um. Yeah, that's that's chilling. It keeps me awake all night. And number five. 
my, my, the number five is the, the script that I've just written while in lockdown. Cause you know, there's no point pursuing this comedy with a, with the, the industry being dead and everything. So I've, I've completed a script that I'm very proud of. Um, it's about a, a nightmarish future world in which, in which comedy is not just available, but illegal. And uh, I, as the lead character, invent comedy. As you can imagine, this makes me quite sexually attractive. Okay, so women go nuts for it, as you can imagine. Okay, so you invent comedy in a world where there's no comedy, and you mm. do that, and people kind of look to you, and you become this almost messiah-like figure. And then yeah, eventually, very much so. And then eventually, you become kind of an annoying spokesperson for atheism. Yes, that's what um, happens, right? Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm standing at a train station and I stand on top of a soapbox and I say, well, why do they call it same-sex marriage? After 20 years, it's always the, the same bloody sex. Riot police pour in, raining down blows on my unprotected head. And, and yes, Handel's Messiah plays to a climax over, over the top of my martyrdom. Um, now, I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, is it a trilogy? Yes. Okay, wow. I was hoping you know. it would be a quadrilogy, but okay. Ooh. That's where the money's at. You start getting the residuals at number four. Yeah, everyone involved is, yeah, it's, it's syndicated. We're all getting, getting royalty checks on the, on the back of this. But you can only really tell it with three whole films, um, uh, like most stories. I mean, I, I'm still amazed to this day that they were able to tell the story of the, the Miller, Miller uh, Djokovic uh, Resident Evil films in as few as six movies. You know, they were able to condense that. I mean, that's like, that, that's just like crime and punishment in a sitcom episode. You know, and I, I think that's inspired me to, to, to go on with this. Wow. Right, to, crazy man and it's like you read my mind because i myself wrote a horror movie during lockdown mm-hmm. and what's a, it about uh i don't want to spoil too much of it it is a sequel to a, another well-known i would say horror movie i if i can enable screen sharing i want to do like a little read through of it right now i'm so excited Okay. Can you see that? Here we go. Yes. No, and that is, look, this is definitely a horror movie, a sequel to a horror movie. Oh, definitely a horror, horror movie. It's, and you'll notice it's completely different. And I always want to just do like, can you read that? Can you read stage directions? Uh, yes, I can read the say. Um, okay, so this is Apocalypse Now Redux. Uh, interior, Kurt's quarters, day. Willard is at a table containing Kurtz's belongings. He looks at his uniform, military decorations, photographs of Kurtz's family, a Bible, and other books lying on the table. On the river, I fought the moment I looked at him. I'll know what to do. But it didn't happen. I was in there with him for days, not under guard. I was free. 
but he knew I wasn't going anywhere. He knew more about what I was going to do than I did. That's the way he's going to read it. If the generals back in the train could see what I saw, would they still want me to kill him? More than ever, probably. And what would his people back home want? If they ever learned just how far from them he'd really gone. He broke from them, and then he broke from himself. I've never seen a man so broken up and ripped apart. Angle on doorway. Kurt enters in the darkness. I've seen horrors. Horrors that you've seen. But you have no right to call me a murderer. You have a right to kill me. You have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me. Close up on Kurt. (laughs) Insane. As you can say, this is the brand new sequel. Um, Apocalypse Now Redux. And it looks exactly the same as the other Apocalypse Now Redux, right? So far. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's not. It's actually all set in Thailand. Wow. The last one was like Vietnam. This is Thailand. Is it present day Thailand or 1960s Thailand? Uh, It's present day Thailand. And at one point, Ed Helms just runs in and he has a pair of tits. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's that, that really is different. I mean, you know, the, the apocalypse now, the, the original apocalypse now is about the horror of war, but this is about the horror of, of holiday. I, I like it. Yeah, that's, that's okay, such let's a, keep going. A, let's keep going. We'll read through. I'll continue reading stage directions. Yes. Close up. Okay. Which, which part? Willard and the photographer? Go, go, man, go. Go. Willard and the photographer. In Kurtz's chamber, Willard is lying on a bed of sandbags. The photographer is next to him. They are both listening to Kurtz read the poem. He's really out there. Angle on Kurtz. Seated on a small chest next to his bed. He's reading from a small book. It is The Hollow Man by T.S. Eliot. Shape without form. Shade without color. Force. Gesture without motion. Do you know what the man's saying? Do you? Those who have crossed direct eyes. This is dialectics. It's very simple dialectics. It's one through nine. No maybes, no supposes, no fractions. You can't travel in space. You can't go out into space without like, you know, with fractions. What are you gonna land on? One quarter, three eighths? What are you going to do when you go from here to Venus? That's dialectic physics, okay? Dialectic logic is, is there's only love and hate. You either love somebody or you hate them. Same, same. <laughs> and as you realize, this movie will be scored by a song Jim Morrison wrote about wanting to fuck his mum. Oh, I'd see, I didn't even know that much. That's quite powerful. Um, he called uh, it the end because it was the end of um, him restraining his incest, his lustful incest urges. Good God. I thought it was just about, about the Vietnam War. I didn't realize it was dirty. 
Oh, well, that's really put me off, Jim Morrison. Oh, definitely. I mean, it was a song like he broke up with his girlfriend because he's like, hey, turns out I really want to fuck my mom, man. Kill my daddy, fuck my mommy. I would not expect that from the man who invented Jim's mowing. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. And that you ever look at that Jim's mowing logo? Mm. It's Jim, but like his dick is hanging out. But he's trying to convince he, the court that his dick isn't hanging out. But you can see it's hanging out, man. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it does help his case that it looks like a shrubbery, like a small shrub or a or a bush. But um, uh. Yeah, no, the, the shape is unmistakable. Quite intimidating. And all that coalesces together, and I like to think that that is, I mean, pardon the language, but scary as shit. Oh, so, so, so frightening. Um, I, you know, and uh, modern day Thailand is, is, is full of so many, so many, uh, you know, traps and, and, and temptations, you know, in the, in the same way that, I, that 1960s um, Vietnam would have been, you know, you can, you can certainly go to the wrong bar um, mm-hmm, yeah. and uh, you might have to talk to another Australian. Chilling. Yeah, you go around from bar to bar. People try to offer you like scandalous things you don't want. And then you gotta go. Whoa! I get my kicks above the waistline, sunshine. <laughs> and then you do some weird sort of white man rap about doing chess. Yeah. You wake up in the middle of the night, drenched in sweat, and you look at it and you think, "Is this my sweat? Whose is this? Who put it here?" That's that's the that but that's just daily life in Thailand. You know, the people who live here, there it's it's normal. It's like Alice in Wonderland, upside down. You know, but to us, to the outsider, it's it's like walking into another world. A warm world. Walking into another world. I'm writing this shit down, man. This is gold. And this is kind of half the reason why I brought you on, because I wanted just to leech ideas off you to finish my film. <laughs> oh, well, how would, I end, how would you end um, Apocalypse Now if you get a second shot at it and it's set in one-day Thailand? To do it, ideally, and it's very hard to do this now, I understand. The, the industry is just not the same. You can't, you know, they just wouldn't allow this to happen. But to properly end that film, you'd have to kill Marlon Brando. Um, you would have to string yes. him up from a tree. Because in the, they kill a bull in the film. They kill a, a, yeah. a cow for real. And I don't know about you, but that was something I found very unsatisfying. I wanted to see Brando chopped up. You know, and he, is, he hadn't learned his lines. He was a pain in the ass. He gained so much weight. He was bald. <laughs> I, you know, the audience would have stood and applauded. Um, and here's the thing, man. We resurrect him. We resurrect him. And we sell him. We're going to do an Apocalypse Now sequel. And here's the thing. Just because I don't buy the fact he would really like react realistically to being murdered. We don't tell them we're going to murder him on camera. Mm. So what we do is we grab a stick of butter, shove it down his mouth while we're filming. And all that cholesterol that builds up, 
He dies from that. Yeah, no. And then we, we get some Native American woman to struck the final blow with like his Oscar. Yeah. No, that would be, you know, that would be the culmination of his career apart from anything else. A tribute, really. Um, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood, people loved that because it was a tribute to Hollywood. And I can't think of a finer uh, memorial to the, the, great, the great glory of, of olden days Hollywood than to feed Marlon Brando to death. If they haven't struck by a Native American woman. Yeah, uh, with, a, with, with the Oscar. You know, because I think to the lay person who comes in off the street, they're going to be very confused and, and dissatisfied with that. But to cinephiles, that's going to scratch an itch um, uh, to the point where it becomes a weeping sore. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, there's a, there's a certain affection in that. You know, that's that's very powerful. It's like, is it upsetting to see... Uh, Marlon Brando brought back to life only to watch him exit exit life again. Yes, but I've wanted it for years. You know, I I put it on my dream journal. I on my my big secret picture board is just Marlon Brando falling off a cliff in a car. You know, Marlon Brando um, putting a fork in a light socket. You know, I drew those and they said, Martin, that's just not possible. But man, man dreams. Man dreams of such things. Hey, Martin, final question. You do those films where you're like, you're an FBI agent and you're dressing up as a woman undercover? Yeah. No, my, um, uh, the Big Mama's House series. Yeah. Okay. Well, Martin Dunlop, yeah. thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> you got any final words? Uh, look, no, no. I've got nothing to sell and nothing to give. Um, this has been been lovely. Thank you. Prosperity does not